Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Aaron. Let's go. Let's go to 1955 West Virginia. Appalachian country. Which in the 30s, which is when this particular film was set, it was very um, depressed. A very <laughs> depressed area. I'm Was depressed. Okay, Shots are being fired. We are trying to take the shrill out of our voices for our listeners because when we listen back, we're appalled by how shrill we are. When I get excited, I go into my Chris Rock mode. <laughs> it's authentic, though. Oh, see it? There, there we go. The cat. <laughs> Chris is back. Okay. And I'll only keep my Virginia Madsen voice for so long. I know. But I'm going to try it through the intro. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> you always are. <laughs> when a father's last words to his son and daughter concern the secret location of a stolen fortune, psychotic preacher Harry Powell decides to do whatever it takes, even kill. Murder. To learn its hiding place. There will be blood. But that is not the film we are doing. We are doing 1955's The Night of the Hunter. <laughs> I get that all of a sudden I'm like, The Night of the Owl. No, I don't know why. <laughs> I've never okay. said that all week. Aaron can't do a voice and stay on task. So go back to Chris Rock. I'm and not tell us. I'm not a multitasker, people. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that. Never has been. Never has been. In fact, most people aren't multitaskers. They just are able to shift very rapidly between a single task. And I, big surprise, don't shift so fast. <laughs> Excuse me. Particulars, please. Oh, I am too close to the mic. Okay. Particulars, please. The Night of the Hunter. The Night of the Hunter, 1955. It was released July 26th, 1955. Directed by Charles Lawton. This was the only film he directed. You may I was remember three him. Years old. You were. You may remember him as an actor for his roles in Witness for the Prosecution. Yes. And he was also in Mutiny on the Bounty, Advise yes. and Consent, Spartacus, The Beachcomber, just to name a few. Yes. It was produced by Paul Gregory, Charles Lawton's friend. He was a producer of film, TV, and theater. In theater, he produced The Cane Mutiny Court Martial. Mm. Also, The Marriage Go Round and Lord Pengo. For film, never, never heard of those. <laughs> he produced The Naked and the Dead, Nerd Alert. Nerd Alert. He gave his friend James Gardner his first acting role in The Cane Mutiny Court Martial. I am a fan. The screenplay is by James Aggie, or Aggie, I don't know. 
He's a novelist. Well, he was a novelist, journalist, poet, screenwriter, and film critic. Well, he's an all-around writer. He won a Pulitzer Prize posthumously for his novel, autobiographical novel, A Death in the Family, in 1958. He did the screenplay for The African Queen. He also (gasps) did the screenplay for Tramp's New World for Charlie Chaplin. Nerd alert. Got it. Some say that the script, that, that James Aggie didn't write the script, that George Lawton did, and that he's uncredited, because by George this La- time... George Lawton? No, Charles. Okay. That Just Charles, trying to keep it real. I'm trying to keep my voice... Uh, will you forget the voice because... <laughs> You're making errors. <laughs> well, he... <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> so there's some controversy as to who wrote this because this it artist, is. this this James guy, he was he died in post-production of this film. He was a raging alcoholic. You know what? I don't even know if he was a raging alcoholic. You know what? No, he was a raging alcoholic because he ended up dying. And everybody was like, yeah. He's drink. He basically drank himself to death. Okay. So, people, since you know he was sick when he was writing this, it's always gone that Charles was the one that wrote the script. But new recent stories have come, and they say that they found two thousand in two thousand four discovered the first draft. It was yes. 293 pages, which is very long because usually you go by a page of a script equals one minute of screen time. So 293 minute movie is what you are looking at. But they read it and it was scene by scene the movie. Yes. But Charles obviously had to cut it down. Yes. So... People are like, well, I mean, he, he, it wasn't like his, because they had said that his first draft was incoherent. So mm-hmm. history has uh, had its different say. It was based on the book, The Night of the Hunter by Davis Grubb. And he wrote a lot of other books, but this is his best known, according to Wikipedia. I didn't mm-hmm. know any of the other titles. I didn't know this one until you brought it to us. The music was by Walter Schumann. This is the guy that came up with the Dragnet theme. What was that? Dragnet, the TV show? Yeah, I do know, but I don't remember the theme. I feel like it's dun, dun, dun. It is. Well done. Which he says he inadvertently lifted from Miklos Rosa's score to the 1946 film that we have done before, go in the back catalog, The Killers. The Killers. He also, I always forget we, we did that. He also did many Abbott and Costello films, and in World War II, he served in the Armed Forces Radio Service as Thank the musical service, director. The director of photography is Stanley Cortez. He also shot... Is there a, a fly situation or is that applause? 
That was applause for Stanley Cortez. He also shot The Three Faces of Eve. The Magnificent Ambersons. Remember, we have to do that. I know. We like the way that The Three Faces of Eve was shot. We commented on it. Yes, and for me to even notice means it had to have been outstanding. He also did Abbott and Costello meet Captain Kidd and the candidate. Nerd alert, he started Chinatown, (gasps) but was replaced after a few days. Oh, wait. I thought thought he started the settlement of Chinatown, (laughs) and I'm going Cortez. Does not sound especially Asian to And me, which Chinatown okay. did you think that Cortez started? I hey, I wasn't there. And then, so now we're good. Move on. Weirdly, weird American <laughs> folklore, people. Stanley Cortez started every single one of America's Chinatowns. Chinatowns, yes. <laughs> he just went from metropolis to metropolis. You only get that here on Gone with the Bushes. He was like... Hey, Asians, come here. <laughs> Chinatown. A Stanley Cortez production. <laughs> and then he got on the train <laughs> and kept going. He was in New York. He went to D.C. Yeah, all okay, these moving on. House, <clears throat> New Mexico. And they're like, well, Stanley, <laughs> we don't need a Chinatown. Stanley, this is not your demographic. Now, here, take some turquoise. Okay. All right. And it was edited by Robert Golden. And there's nothing in Wikipedia about poor Robert. So. Okay. Okay. Starring Robert Mitchum as Reverend Harry Powell. We know about Robert. This is our third week of doing Robert Mitchum. If we're not careful, it's going to become Robert Mitchum Appreciation Month. It's not. He was also in the Cape Fears, both of them, El Dorado, Story of G.I. Joe, blah, you know, we've been through this. Yes. Shelly Winters as Willa Harper. She was in A Place in the Sun, which we should do because here's a nerd alert about Gone with the Bushes. This whole Gone with the Bushes podcast idea came about from the movie A Place in the Sun. I watched it. And I told my friend about it, and he was like, that sounds hilarious. And now you just explained to me what A Place in the Sun is. I had heard about it. I was never going to watch it. You explained it to me. Now I don't have to watch it. And I was like, I should do this with my mom. And that's what we do. We do this so that you can listen and go, I'm fascinated. I'm going to I'm going to use some of my precious time to watch that or thank you for letting me know that I don't need to see that. Exactly. It is your choice, people. So she was in that. She was in the Poseidon Adventure. Yes, she was. She was in Lolita <laughs> and Alfie. I don't know why you're laughing. I haven't seen the Poseidon Adventure. I just oh, know Shelley. about it. Shelly. She was in Peach Dragon. Remember, she was also in Harper. Because I was like, we've done Shelly Winters before. And she was also in Roseanne, the television show. Hmm. We have Lillian Gish as Rachel yes. Cooper. Now, Ma, um, regulars of this show 
real like they know that you do not consider silent films to be real films one time however one comment one time moving on lillian gish was a huge star haven't we done a lillian gish haven't we done a lillian gish i don't know i don't think we have i've done a lillian gish i've done two lillian gish movies she had a 75-year career. It started in 1912 and ended in 1987. Damn. She's considered the first lady of American cinema. Wow. She was the star that Greta Garbo replaced. So remember, like, we were talking about, oh, oh Greta Garbo's a big star. Right. Every star replaces somebody. It was Lillian Gish who was like, excuse me. Yeah, and she was great in this. Lillian Gish was in a lot of D.W. Griffith's movies. So, yes, she was in Birth of a Nation. She was also in Intolerance. I saw both of those in film school. We're not doing them. I can't. I'm good. I'm good. She was also in Duel in the Sun and just a ton of movies. Her film... Biography goes by decades, and it's, it's such a to. long scroll. It's just, yeah. man, this woman. Props to Lillian. <sighs> Props to Lillian. So we have Billy Chapin as John Harper, the, the little kid. He was the kid he from was Left. quite good. <sighs> we'll get to that. Quite good. I the, know, but he was a little jerk. The kid from Left Field, he was also in Dragnet. He had a small part in There's No Business Like Show Business. He was also numerous TV credits, including, of course, Cheyenne. Where will you be sleeping tonight? Yeah. His sister was Lauren, who played, his sister Lauren played Kitten in Father Knows Best. No. No, the girl from this movie? No, his real oh, life oh, sister. Okay, okay. Because okay. you can't get you can't outlive that forehead. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> his last known work was Tension at Table Rock. It was his last film work. All right, you're talking about Sally Jane Bruce, who played I Pearl am. Harper. She had an unfortunate forehead. <laughs> she had an unfortunate name. Her name was Pearl Harper. It sounds a lot like Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was pretty much her only, like she was, you know, she dabbled in child things. This was her big role. Um, you might want to take back all of your little quips about her forehead because she was a grade school teacher in Santa Maria, California, until she retired. Well done. Uh, that forehead could work wonders with that stern look you give. That was a sizable forehead. Are you talking about my forehead? There was extreme real estate on that forehead. Yeah, she had a five head. Ha ha. You could show a movie to a drive-in. Ha ha. Like I haven't heard these before. Not even close to your forehead. Oh, no. I didn't even notice her forehead. How could you not? (laughs) Maybe because I spent my entire life not noticing my own? Can we move on? <laughs> yes, we can. James Gleason as Uncle Birdie, 
step toe. Uncle Birdie. He, man, this guy was in tons of movies. He was in Putting on the Ritz, Mammy, Meet John Doe, Arsenic and Lace, tons of movies. Okay. Evelyn Verdon as Icy Spoon. She was big time in stage. She made her film debut at the age of 56 in the film Pinky. She There's was, still hope for me? Yeah, she was also in Hilda Crane and The Bad Seed. I was like, why do I know that face? And then I was like, I was like ah, The Bad Seed. Because that's a face. It's a face. Um, Don, Don Beto, who was Walt Spoon. This dude was in 250 films, and wow. I didn't know any of them. Wow, but that just shows there's there's Whoa. something for everybody. Man. We got Peter Graves. I didn't know until I was just reading the article that that was Peter Graves. Are you kidding me? No. Well, I am not. I, well, he looks familiar. Well, well we are going to discuss. He was Ben Harper. He's most famous as being Jim Phelps in the Mission Impossible television yes, he series. Was. He, yes, was he was also as equally famous in the movie's Airplane and Airplane yes. to the sequel. Yes. And he was also in Star League 17. I mean, okay. he was in a lot of other things, but those were the big guns. Okay. And we have Paul Breyer, or Breyer. He was uncredited. I looked him up, and then, because his son was the guitarist of Little Feet, and he just died on October 26th. How very weird. And I was like, well, that's so strange. And the guy that was in the movie as the hangman, he was uncredited. And so I went to go see what other movies has he done. And it was the same thing as the the Don Bloodo guy or Beto guy. He was in so many movies and most of them were uncredited. But so he, that means that he probably them got checks. like minimum wage, right? And I don't know. I'm not a, up to snuff with, you know, the union laws and whatever. No, but I know not. that he made money and he was able to uh, help his son out. I'm That's sure. That, there you go. With the noodling of the guitar. And, and he was probably able to support his family and do what he loved. So well done, uncredited actor. <laughs> and those mm -hmm. have been the particulars. Well done. Well, this is a black and white film. And we start off with a grandmother talking to five children about the Bible. We will later learn that this is, that it was Lillian Gish, correct? Ah. Uh yeah, so that's circled around. And it, and she says, beware of false prophets in sheep's clothing. And um, they're, the children are playing hide and seek, and they find a dead woman's body. I know. Do you see the legs and stuff? And yeah, then the you legs, just... just like the witch of, uh, of uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, well, she didn't have stripes. She had weird stockings on. Well, it's just, I mean, those kids. The kids. Man, They've the seen kids. so much. The kids. Be because this does, did I say it takes place in West Virginia? We did. We mentioned so it. So long ago. On the Ohio River. And so, um, anyway, it's the 30s. It's the Depression. Wada, wada. Um, the, 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 the 
and you see a preacher driving into town and he's talking to God and you only see his knuckles that have hate written on them. Um, and he evidently is a car thief and he uh, gets... he's a murderer. Well, we don't know that yet. Oh, uh, I kind of pieced it together that it was there. There was a woman found and then he's driving in a car and the first thing you see is hate. I'm like, I'm going to use my context clues here and say that this man just killed that woman and who stole her car. Third, wait, who was your third grade reading teacher? Mrs. Robertson. She, Mrs. Robertson, well done. The, yeah. All I, all I get by on in life is context clues. Why do you think I'm so good at that podcast, Imagine Life? Wow. Okay, so I more on that later. Um, so he got 30 days in the penitentiary for the stealing of the automobile, not the death of the woman. Because it was really easy to get away with murder back in the day. That's my overall takeaway from this film. Man. Yeah, okay. Murderer's paradise is what is what everything before uh, when police departments actually started talking with each other. So that would be 1990. Everything prior to 1990 is wow. classified as murderer's paradise. So that was that was sixty years from. Okay, moving on. There are two girl, two kids playing a boy and a girl in a meadow, and their daddy arrives. Oh, their daddy! <laughs> Go ahead, ma. Ah. Oh. Well, he he comes up and he has ten thousand dollars in nineteen thirty. He doesn't and drive up. He drives onto the lawn. I know that it was the 30s and it wasn't like there, but he drove, there was the gate. He came driving the 1930s equivalent of a bat out of hell and drove all up on the lawn. He, there was a sidewalk going up like a, 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 a bricked path that you could tell was going up to the house and he just drove on past it. You, this guy was heated and in a hurry. He was definitely in a hurry. He he had a gun and he says he's got to hide the money. He's got to hide the money. You hear the sirens in the background and he is saying to his son, swear you won't tell no one where I hide this money and um, guard Pearl with your life. So we've Pearl is his little sister. He now has possession of the 30, uh, uh, $10,000 and because at this point, they take dad off to jail. Well, and as he, they are handcuffing. Well, he knows where the money is hidden. Right. As they are. And you know, he only had a really short period of time to hide that money before he went off. Did you know where it was hidden? No, because I'll get to it later. This okay. scene shows up again later in this podcast. Okay. So he, dad is handcuffed uh, behind his back. My arms are behind my back right now as I'm telling you. And he and the kid's going, no, don't. And I got to say, kid, for a guy who is being arrested for whatever he's just done and had a gun on him, I got to say, looked like the police were mighty gentle. Mighty gentle. 
but it would be very traumatic to see your father being arrested. So it would be it would be more traumatic to see him beaten and not being able to breathe with his hands handcuffed behind his back. But this is not a present day story. So um, um, swear you won't tell no one where I hit it. They take the dad to jail because he killed two men. Also. He was not read his Miranda rights because that wasn't a thing until like the 70s. So he didn't know that he shouldn't have been saying, swear you're not going to tell anybody where I hid the money. Great for your defense there, buddy. (laughs) As the police are taking you away. Well, we see dad in court and it's saying he has to be hanged by his neck till he's dead. Mm. So now we see dad in jail on the bottom bunk and he's talking in in his sleep about the money well guess who his sailmate just happens to be but big old robert mitchum and robert mitchum is listening to him talking in his sleep and he just wants to find out where's the money where's the money tell me where the money is you're going to be hanged tomorrow who cares just tell me so peter graves the daddy puts a sock in his mouth and goes back to sleep so he doesn't tell. Oh, but it's great. The scene's great because Peter Graves is, is he just, you know, put, I was like, it's one of those scenes where it's like, what is this guy doing? He gets his shoe and then he's doing something. And I'm like, what is he doing? While they're having the whole scene and the scene ends because he was rolling up his sock to put it in his mouth so he wouldn't be loose lipping it. And all this time, Robert Mitchum is hanging upside down from the upper bunk. Yes. Let me have a moment of drink. Brought Mm -hmm. to you by Hendrix. So, (laughs) be our sponsor, (laughs) Hendrix. We see his other knuckles now, because we saw him before, remember? Yes, hate. hate. On his other knuckles is written, love. Ain't that some bullshit. And and the caucasity. And (laughs) (laughs) he is praying about the $10,000 and the widow. The widow. Willa. Okay. Then we see bullying taking place. There's bullying taking place on the school ground or somewhere. Oh. And the children are singing about a hanging dad. Yeah, there's, there's, children are so cruel. But also, I'm like, why haven't this family moved? Because their father, this it's a small town. The father was hanged. All the kids are singing a song about the hang, you know. Like, it, it's one of those songs that sounds innocuous as a kid until you look over and you see, oh, those, their dad got hanged. Yeah, just like ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Yeah, <laughs> it's about the That's plague. about kids dying. Yeah. Moving on. But Ma, so, um, yep. and it's reiterated because Pearl, she's young, she starts singing the song. Because yeah. little man John knows what's up. And it's just like, man, that sucks. Like, he didn't do anything. And and then you're just like, what? Yeah. I would feel like the widow would just say, I, I think we need to move. I think we need a new start. Especially these times. But she has such a good job in the ice cream parlor. Well, I thought that the reason they didn't move, I was like, wait, 
Aaron, they can't move because the dad said you're going to stay here because he hid the money. And when you're old enough, you'll take the money and, you know, do whatever you need. So I'm like, oh, they can't they can't leave because they have the money. Because he obviously buried it somewhere or stashed it somewhere right. on the homestead. Right. <gasps> so that okay. was my thinking. Well, we saw that mom works in an ice cream parlor, which is totally opposite of everything we've seen so far. There's been a lot of negativity, a lot of, you know, um, menace and murder, and murder and scariness. And there they are. And and the name of the people who own the ice cream parlor are the Scoops. Of course. Yeah. Like, come on. And um, she works in the ice cream parlor. So how could your mom have a better job than that? I could think of a lot of better jobs, but go ahead. Well, old lady Scoops is telling her a mom needs a man to help with two little youngins. And then we have a train coming into town. And, of course, on the train is Harry... Whatever his Powell. Powell. And it interests... It intersplices with the old lady telling Shelly Winters, you need a man, intersplices with the train coming into town. I like that. Because mm-hmm. it's okay. like, great. This one, All this woman is hearing, all of her shift is about how, her. I mean, her husband, he's not even cold yet. And though her boss is on her back about getting a husband. What could go wrong? This woman has has some issues. Which one? Well, her sex issues. I mean, there's a whole scene I didn't even write about, about her talking about sex with a woman. A woman doesn't... Oh, it, the Icy Scoops? That's her name, yeah. Icy Scoops. Well, it's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so Harry comes into the ice cream store, and he's telling the widow that he spent the last moments of her husband's life with her husband, Ben. And because he's a preacher. So he was his job that he left was being a, uh, what? Yeah. Preacher to men condemned to death in the prison. Which was a lie, but we're used to people in power telling lies. Well, not just power, Ma. This guy, I mean, he's wearing... I guess that's a preacher garb. I'm used to the the whole priest kind of get up with the the white thing. We're not grazed Catholic. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but Chaplain Kurd wore that thing as well. Three years out of your life, you actually had some church. And um, then he tells the children of the story of love and hate intertwining his fingers. Because remember, his knuckles say love Love and and hate. Okay, so there's going to be a picnic. So Icy Scoops invites um, Killer Dude. Well, he's the preacher. He's the new preacher. I mean, I tell you, these, you know... Whatever you want to believe that gets you through the day is fine. But like our main woman, Lillian Gish says, beware of wolf in sheep's clothing. Sheep's clothing. You would think that Christian people would totally be on the lookout for charlatan preachers. But but yet. Yeah, they absorb them. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you can tell that the son John does not trust him. This point, I am so Teen John. Oh my film. gosh! I think at this point, I wrote down, John, what a little man. At this point, the he weight was my... of the world is on his shoulders. It is. He's my MVP at this point. Okay. Well, Icy Scoops is telling the widow Harper to marry that preacher. And widow Harper, although she uh, appears to be a bit of a, uh, quoting Archie Bunker, dingbat, is worried that he only wants her for that lost money. Yeah. Mm. She's kind mm. of, I mean, she was married to a criminal. And again, I wrote John doesn't trust him. John can give the uh, give the side eye. You know, I know that. Do I even have it? In, well, yes. She has more than one page tonight, folks. I I always have more than one page. Continue. Okay. Well, um, so at this point, Willa, Widow Harper, Widow is that her? Well, calls her name the Willa, children- Willa Harper. Widow calls, Willow Harper. Yeah, Willow Widow Harper calls the children over and um and the preacher Robert Mitchum tells the children the night before your father died, he told me what he did with that money. He told me he tied it to something and threw it into the river. So that money's in the bottom of the river. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And, oh, Willow Widow Harper is clean. She's clean because she was worried about that stolen money. Now it's it's out of her heart, off of her hands. He's not there for the money. He's there for her love. All is great. How long have they known each other at this point? Uh, for uh, one day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. So, um, John, John, that son goes to uncle Bertie and says, do you got my skiff ready yet? Uncle Bertie, I need my skiff ready. Um, Aaron, what is a skiff? Uh, Some sort of boat. It's just a little rowboat. Just a little, well, it's yeah. Like a flat bottom rowboat. Is, and I didn't know why John needed the skiff, but we will find out. It was his daddy's skiff. And who is Uncle Bertie just an uncle because he's old? Or is he related, like the brother or the sister of his parents? We never found that out. Because weirdly, in that area, uh, people would just call older people uncle and auntie aunt yeah um, there's there are cultures they just do that if you're close with the family all of a sudden like you get labeled as that even right. though you aren't related but blood mm-hmm. okay well so where am i um uh, and uncle birdie says it'll be ready inside a week well now they're at home and the preacher tells john he's gonna marry his mom and he says, you'll never be my dad. And, and then he says, you think you can make me tell, but I won't. Uh, and at that point, I was like, little man. Oh, but you are you are still yeah. a child. 
because he's shown his cards. He <gasps> does know where the money is. And he, he needed to keep it. it. Yeah, he needed to keep it. I don't know where the money is either. But Pearl, the girl with the expansive forehead, <laughs> has fallen in love with her new daddy, preacher, bad dude. And Pearl says, now can I tell? Yeah, Pearl knows. Pearl has <sighs> always known. Which, that was a big flaw in daddy's plan. Yeah, because Pearl did, as Pearl an too older sibling, there was a time, there's Preach a time it. when you can't tell. They spill the beans on everything. Yeah. Everything. Dude. As well as the popcorn. <laughs> Every week. How are you so athletic and yet you spill the popcorn all the Every time? Week. You week. always know where your limbs are in space all the time, except when there's popcorn on the floor. Well, he did have a metal brace between those two legs for a while, so. But oh. yet he was still able to maneuver. Th- where he was just like, "How did he do that? How is- nobody can do that?" And yet the popcorn gets spilled every week, every freaking week. Okay, we. It's digress. why we have such a strong constitution because we had to eat the popcorn from the floor. It got spilled. When we were Which young. happened to be a 1960s rust-colored shag carpet. Shag carpet that you know you could never get those suckers clean. That's why we have such a strong constitution. You can it give is. us anything to eat and it'll be fine. Because we ate that popcorn out of that orange shag carpet. Well, well, Mama Willa Widow says, I love Mr. Powell. Well, the next scene, um, I'm trying to keep this keep our podcast shorter so i'm not telling you everything i'm just telling you they had an interesting wedding night very interesting shot beautifully oh yeah then they go to a revival and then the next scene you see pearl expansive for it <laughs> making paper dolls out of the money yeah. she's cutting hundred dollar bills I, into paper dolls i didn't understand that because look everybody likes john john is you vote for him for president he, he has a normal forehead he, great looking kid he he looks honestly he looks like a young ryan gosling like little kid ryan gosling that's John right there. Stoic, just little man. And Pearl is, she's, I don't know who's doing her hair because she's she's got it done in what I like to call like, you know, plantation little girl hair. Shirley Temple ringlets that start midway down though. They start midway down her head. Yeah, it's really so they are weird. The poor- they're the poor man's Shirley Temple ringlets. That's I, what they are. I guess so. Also, though, it needs to be done every day, it seems like. it's. It seems like, look, I have curly hair. I know the upkeep of curly hair when you have it natural. It's just you wet it and it, you let it go. She doesn't have naturally curly hair. That's no. not natural. So somebody's got to be doing it. It's got to be Aaron. the widow. Basically, you, what I'm saying is that I don't like Pearl. Nobody likes Pearl. No, her forehead will put you off. And did you notice her ringlet started where her forehead ended? I'm just saying the forehead <laughs> is forefront in this movie. It's five front. 
is indeed. Veering into, veering dangerously close to a six front. Well, um, the son comes over and goes, Pearl, what you do? He didn't say, what the fuck are you doing? me. I was like, I know that this bitch. And also, I'm aware that I'm like, it's a little kid. But if she's doing what I think she's doing, then she is a little bitch. Somebody got to smack her. (laughs) Because is she making paper dolls out of money? Yeah. You make paper dolls out of money in, in 2019. I'm going to slap a bitch. You make it out of money in the 30s Appalachia Depression? I, I'm like, please, somebody tell me that Pearl does not make it through this movie. Well, she's saying as she's cutting, I didn't tell no one. It's all here. And that's when we see that the wad of money oh, is yeah. inside her doll. He hid it. In the doll? He hid it in the doll. Well, truth be told, Pearl is never without that doll, but Pearl could be without the doll. So uh, it's one of those things where I I oscillate back. It's just, you got to catch me of when I think it's a it brilliant genius? idea or it's is the it? worst idea. Cause I because I go back and forth. Yeah. Because like, he didn't brilliant. have time. Remember, he had no time. He didn't have time to... To dig it under the uh, forsythia bush? Excuse me. Well, no, we'll get to it later. Okay. So anyway, Harry, the preacher, keeps asking John where the money is. Then he gets Pearl and he takes her down to the parlor. Well, okay, so Harry has been asking John all along and John is telling Ma, Widow Willa Harper, he keeps asking me where the money is, but she doesn't believe it because the money's at the bottom of the river and she's been saved. And so all is well. He loves her for obviously on the wedding night, not her body. So um, she is not believing John until she overhears Harry asking Willa, Willa Pearl where the money is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... And then he gets gets physically violent with Pearl. Tell me, you little wretch, where the money is. Yeah, and then Pearl screams. That's when the mom comes in. Shelly Winters, she knows what's up, but she's got to act all cool. Like, she ain't here that that man just probably, like, physically assaulted her daughter. And she's got to act like, oh, I'm home. But she did act like all was well. Yeah. as Looney Tunes as ever. Yeah, because she didn't go up like, I just heard my kids scream, what the hell did you do, man, that I only known a week? Yeah. That I'm leaving with... You know what? I forgot to add that to a bad reheatable, but that is a bad reheatable. Yeah. Just... Even your children with a man you've met, for, who actually has tattooed on his knuckles love and hate. But has managed to weave it into such a... Like, like a like a oil salesman has never been to this town before. Mm. I mean, I I guess though you know he's well he's, he's a man of the cloth so like the yeah. devil wouldn't shroud himself in the cloth. Now Walt scoops at the ice cream parlor. He's worried about Willa. Mm-hmm. 
And he's afraid to tell his wife, Icy Scoop, Icy. which is just too funny, oh, because he knows that she's going to side with the pastor, preacher dude, even though he's a false prophet in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Willa tells Harry, don't worry about me. He he married. Uh, oh, oh um, Willa. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a little confused here. To show her salvation. Uh, Willa tells Harry he married her to show her salvation. And then there's the switchblade. More on that later. Because mm. the preacher <coughs> always carries a switchblade. But it is 1930s. So It's 1930s, and this is in their bedroom. And so Willa is telling Harry... I know, I know you married me so that I would be saved. And you see Harry switch his switchblade over her. The next scene is he is in the Scoops ice cream parlor saying, Willa ran away with another man. And I, my notes say, oh shit, this has just turned into a dateline. Yes, yeah. And um, he's in there crying, false tears. And they're saying, well, she'll be, she'll not come back. She's not coming back. At this point, we cut to Uncle Birdie fishing. He's fishing on the Ohio River. Don't ever eat anything out of the Ohio River. Just saying. <laughs> and his hook gets caught. And he looks down. Now, here's a false thing that happened in the movie because you couldn't see through the Ohio River because it's so muddy and nasty but he could see straight through it to the car in the river with Willa's body in the river with her hair moving with the current and her looks like she has a second mouth where her throat's been slit it did in the movie because they said it later, but I didn't go back to see if it was because I didn't remember seeing that. I didn't either, but I took it from the notes that I wrote. Oh, okay. So uh preacher comes back to the house and the children are hiding from him. And John tells Pearl we're running off tonight. And there's a huge spread because he's now a widower. Because his wife took off with another. There's not another man in town. But she took off with this other man. And so uh, Icy Scoops brought a huge meal to him and the children. But he won't give the children food till they tell him where the money is. So John says the money's in the cellar. Thinking... That preacher's going down to the cellar. They'll lock him in. Well, preacher's not that stupid. Not his first rodeo. So he says, everybody's going downstairs. They all go downstairs. Pearl tries to, they try to run back up the steps. He says, oh, no, no, no. Well, um, at this point, uh, somehow John gets a shelf with preservatives to, to fall onto, he, onto he the He basically preacher. does an improv home alone. Is the best yes. way to put it. Yeah. Which is one of the funny parts when Robert Mitchum does that squeal. It's, Come on, it's like a horse whinny. It was funny. It was funny. There and were the children, a bunch of 
like what an interesting sound choice mr mitchum <laughs> and then the children are running up the steps and he looks like frankenstein trying to chase him up the steps they get up the steps first they lock him down in the cellar um uh they run to Birdie because Birdie always said, come to me if you need anything. Well, Birdie is so drunk. Birdie, is, passed out Birdie drunk. becomes absolutely useless. Completely useless because he's drank himself into a, a blackout stupor because he got, of course, he got shook. He saw what he saw. Seeing the body in the Ohio and River. And so me, that's why I got confused at this point. I'm not going to lie. Because you see that Uncle Birdie sees the body. The next scene, it cuts to Robert Mischum in the thing. And I'm like, oh, man, how's he going to get out of this? Because, one, and I did look up a picture. You don't see the her second mouth. It's described way more graphic, which actually it works because it's just a very haunting photo of how they did it because they literally shot it underground or underwater so and she's tied up in the passenger seat of the car yeah because i thought oh he's saying that that she ran off and so she and then it's gonna be oh she gets found and she had an accident like she killed herself or she had an accident and she died right. but i'm like how does he how's he gonna explain how'd she tie herself up and why is she in the passenger side it's just looking very much like murder to me. And that's why, oh, yeah, she ran off and all of that. It isn't until we see Birdie pouring himself the liquor and him saying, oh, they're going to blame me. They're going to blame me that you realize, oh, that's why nobody else knows that she's dead. Right. Because right. Birdie is convinced that the police are going to think that he was the one that killed her. And I yeah, I didn't understand that. Birdie's narcissism, it it needs to go in the what's aged the worst. But actually, what's aged the best because narcissism is just <laughs> always around. <laughs> and then and then his alcohol spills. I thought sure his shack was gonna catch. I did fire. too. I'm like, man, but Birdie's just gonna happen. burn down. But no, he's just the, he he told the little man John. If something ever pops off because he had a bad feeling, come to me and I'll help you. John comes. Birdie's of absolutely no use, completely worthless, and hasn't even gone to the police to tell them what's going on. Exactly. He's the, I don't know what the opposite of MVP is, like loser of the movie, but that's Uncle Birdie. Complete loser of the movie. Because I looked at the time and we still had an hour to go. I thought I we thought, were almost well, done with the, this. Yeah, this is the end of the movie because they're going to find out he lied. He said she wrote a note that she was running off with some other dude, but he couldn't take it. So he tore it up and burned it. So, yeah, that didn't fit with. But moving on, because we're time conscious, um, they run to the skiff. And at this point, I thought the skiff wasn't going to work because Uncle Bertie was working on it and it was going to sink. But no, they run to the skiff. They push off. Harry follows them. He almost catches them in the skiff. There's a chase scene, a long chase scene. And then the spoons get a postcard from Harry saying he took the children to his sister's house because of everything they'd been through. 
and Harry continues to look for them. It's been an hour. Yeah. Well, Harry also murders somebody and takes their horse and follows the river south because he knows that they're going south. So he's already committed two murders. No, three murders now at this yes. point that Correct. we know of. All a bunch of murders in his past. Correct. Okay. Uh, our POC count is a quite easy one this week. It's none. Zippo. But also no Confederate flags. That's true. And well, I, it was West Virginia. West Virginia became West Virginia because they wanted to be part of the North instead of staying with Virginia that was part of the South in the, you know, the big war. <laughs> yeah. So, but then, so, yeah. I mean, wasn't the Ohio River kind of the the line of demarcation? Wasn't it if you get past that, you were free? Yeah, but I don't think that people are like, ooh, I'm safe in Cincinnati. Well, there's more on that. <laughs> okay, you've done nerd alerts. Do you have more? I have more nerd alerts. Oh, I've got this a was, bunch. I'll bet you do, because there were, the cinematography of this is amazing. All right. So there was a song that was sung by our girl Five Head, Five Head Pearl. Seriously, just watch a clip. Just see this girl's forehead. It's like this woman is still alive, Ma. Is she? Yeah, well, I'm sure she has bangs at this point. I mean, she's a little bit older than you are. <gasps> well, okay, bangs aren't bangs aren't a good look for everybody in their late sixties, <laughs> but it might be a good look for her. <laughs> oh, okay. So she sings this song, it's called Pretty Fly, which made me laugh because I'm like, wow, in the 90s, Pretty Fly is going to be an awesome song title. But yeah, in the 30s, pretty I'm like, pretty, like, it, it's a song about a pretty fly. And I've never looked at a fly and thought, my God, you're pretty. So interesting, just interesting choice. Um... It was sung a cappella by our girl Sally Jane, but because it was on the sound stage and her voice was very, you know, young and frail, and there was the sound of the rushing creek and all, you know all of that kind of it was extra obvious sound. She did not sing that song, right? Because it obvious. had to be later dubbed by Betty Benson, who was much older. Yes, she wasn't a little toddler. No, and. Okay. The lullaby, which is when they're in the barn, that song is sung by jazz vocalist Kitty White. Okay. This film is, Charles Lawton was heavily influenced by German expressionist films of the late 20s. Mm. That should sound familiar because remember we did M by Fritz Lang and he mm -hmm. was big time in that. And the third man, that was also influenced by the expressionist. So they tend to focus on bizarre shadows, stylized dialogue, distorted perspectives, surrealist sets, odd camera angles. They also like the, um, instead of it being aesthetically pleasing, they like to invoke reactions. So there's a bunch of examples of that, like the barn scene, that was the wedding night, or there was the barn scene, 
And then there was also like the wedding night between the two of them, how it was lit. It looked like it could be a chapel or a crypt. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of that. The scene with Powell, Robert Mitchum's character, on a horse and mm-hmm. they were in the barn. Mm-hmm. That's an ex- that's a, an example of the German expressionist um, influence. That was a little person shot on a pony. And to give false perspective, it wasn't actually Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a nerd alert. So a man sentenced to 30 days would do his time in county jail. Yes. Not in a state penitentiary with a man serving on death row. Right. So these two wouldn't, if, like, they could meet if he was in the penitentiary for some other reason. The guy wasn't confined to, like, I don't even know. I don't know how Like the murder of the woman. Yeah, but I, even I was thinking that. I was like, wait, this guy is, like, in jail for stealing a car and he's in the same, like, cell as this guy who's gonna be put to death for murdering two people is this the 30s or is this just wrong turns out Mm -hmm. it's just wrong Mm -hmm. um the turtle because when they're on their excursion their escape plan yes at one point they see a turtle and john says man they make soup out of that but i don't know how to get it open and it's like a close-up of this turtle that is a desert tortoise it is not oh. found anywhere near West Virginia and Kentucky. Oh, okay. So those are my nerd alerts. Excellent. Well, reheatables. I have several. I've got several as well. Are we doing the, the good or the bad I was, first? I like to start with the negatives. Let's start with the negatives. It's so much fun. Okay. On her wedding night, Willa, Widow Willa is in the bathroom getting herself ready. And remember, she's already had two children, so she knows what it's all about. Not her first rodeo. And she opens the door between the bathroom and the bedroom, and he is turned over on his side away from her. And she, his suit jacket is hanging on the door. And in the pocket, she feels something and and pulls it out. It's a switchblade. And she says... Man. Well, she laughs. She's like, ah, man. Like, it's such a man thing to have a switchblade in your pocket. But that's what I was saying, though. The 1930s. And I bet my brother carries around a little knife. I it, Like, it was kind of funny because you A Swiss laugh. Army knife, maybe, but not a switchblade. But we hadn't. This is the 30s. This is before they had been introduced to the Swiss and their knife prowess. Didn't they get introduced to during the World War II where the Swiss who were fighting, they were like, we're completely neutral. But look at this thing that we have that has all these tools. You can screw a flathead. You can screw a Phillips head. You you can open a bottle of wine. Would you like scissors? Would you like you a magnifying can, glass? You can also file your nails. We have tweezers. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was like she she wasn't at all worried. And then she says a prayer one night. Help me get clean so I can be what Harry wants me to be. Well, I don't 
just like yeah it's a bad reheatable but it fits completely in line with all icy scoops there telling you oh look at that your husband's been dead for 15 minutes <laughs> snap to it your children need father doesn't matter who it is first man that you see marry him because she drove her man to murder it was her fault that he murdered two people but I don't, that's not, because that's not the story that Peter Graves gave us in the cell. He told us because the reason that he got the money was because he swore he saw poor kids and he swore that his kids were never going to be poor. Right, right. But she felt like it was because her children were doing without that she drove her man to murder. I would be like, excuse me, I think that the whole economic downturn of the night that started in the 1920s with the stock market crashing and the ripple effect felt upon nice, decent working folk is the reason that my man was forced into murder. I'm sure no one will be surprised by my fourth negative reheatable, which is Pearl's forehead. <laughs> I'm surprised we it was fourth, honestly. Uh, my next one is using religion to get what you want. I mean, turning your turning religion into saying whatever it is that you wanted to say so that you get what you want. How is that world. a bad reheatable? That's <laughs> that's what we're living religion. Right now. <laughs> there now there were lots of shots of animals, little animals. Well, yes, because. Um, Lillian Gish, she he says it. She's a, it's a hard, it's a hard world for little things. At one point, they do a um, a, a shot of a spider web that is obviously Fake. yarn that has yeah. been made into a spider web. But that's that, that expressionistic. A- you got you uh, picked up. You were able to see. Oh, this it's the spider. You know, that was an unfortunate spider. You need to put your Monet glasses on, Ma. That's true. And then Peter Graves. I didn't know till I was reading the article today that that was Peter Graves. Yes, you didn't recognize him. I kept going. I know that dude, but he was so young then. All right. Are those your bad reheatables? Those are my negatives. All right. My negatives. This is a bad reheatable. One of the early scenes. When little man John goes to meet Uncle Birdie, Uncle Birdie says, here, have a cup of coffee, boy. He gives little John a cup of coffee. I'm like, that, that's not aged well at all. I'm going to go with that's a positive because he could have given him a cup of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But that that's just not something that's aged well. I don't go to my friend's son and think, get that little boy a cup of coffee. Okay. All right. Then also there's a scene where I see uh, where Willa's saying, man, John just is not warming up to this man that I just met five minutes ago and said is going to be his new father and also has hate tattooed on his hand. (laughs) And Icy says, oh, he just needs a dose of salt. Like Dose of salt. Okay. That's right. Damn, I Get a switch. Whip it. All right. So... Robert Mitchum is he's the he's this bad boy. He's a psych psych what'd you call him? Psychotic. He's murdering, yes. he's killed all these people. What does he wear to bed? I know it's called a nightshirt, 
but that's a nightdress. I'm sorry. <laughs> and okay, I, can I say at this point, uh, two weeks ago when we did the first Cape Fear, I was going, Robert Mitchum was a heartthrob and I didn't see it. Now, I still am not like heartthrob over him, but I can see his bad boyness being a little more. He's got charisma. He's got some bad boy charisma. It's, it's a, a charisma. I get it. Yeah, it's not charisma that I'm drawn to, but I see it a little bit more in this film. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, I see. I see where your charm comes from. I, I, I understand why you're a thing. Why people yeah, kept putting you in movies and stuff. Yeah, the hair and such. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm like, oh, I get it. He's, he's, okay. he, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's but, not my cup of tea, but it's some people's cup of tea. So, so acknowledge. I just found it really funny because I'm not saying it's funny that like, oh, men in dresses and that's funny. I'm saying that it's funny in terms of looking at 1955, how there's no way Robert Mitchum would be in a dress. Because no. think about when we did Some Like It Hot. And it was like, oh yes. my gosh, these guys are in dresses. But it's comedy, right? right. So, it, you know, super uh, heterosexual and like masculine Robert Mitchum. But these night shirts that these guys would wear, yeah, they're night dresses. They were night dresses. And it made me laugh. Because I'm like, you you think that you're all this Mr. Masculine and all this. But you're wearing nothing but a night dress. You're not even, you're not wearing pants. It's a nightdress. That's true. All right. Um, oh, is it, oh, there's, you know, obviously there's domestic violence because Willa gets murdered. Um, yeah. she also gets slapped, yes. but the scene is the, like, it's just lit. The German expressionist, which makes it even scarier. I was, I was like, oh, why am I so? I've seen women get hit on film before, but man, you yeah. you throw up weird shadows and stuff. It just gets real scary. Mm -hmm. Um, my bad. Pearl's hair. I mean, I guess you zeroed in on the forehead. I was zeroed in on the hair. Who's the doing hair was, this? It wasn't. It wasn't. How good. does it get set? She's a little girl. It's in Appalachia. Isn't she always playing? I would think we'd be more tangled. I'm not understanding this as someone who knows a lot about what goes into hair and how to make it presentable. It just was not jiving. I'm like, ah, weird. It was quite, it was quite fine and it was quite thin. Yes. Uh, like yeah. it's going to hold curls that well. No, she would have had to have every day, every night, every right? night, every yeah. night. Yeah. And I'm just like, especially once Willow was out of the picture, like who's who's doing this kid's hair? Right. All right. Um, we already said Uncle Birdie just shit the bed. It's yeah. completely worthless, Uncle Birdie. Yeah. And then yeah. I had wah, wah. And then, you know, I had the why didn't they move? Oh, because it was hidden. But but then it resurfaced when we found out that the money was hidden in the doll the whole time. Again, oscillating. No, it's genius. No, it was horrible plan. Yeah, I agree. It, again, until the day I die, it, I, I'm going to go back and forth on whether that was a great idea. But then once I found out that it was an adult, I was completely like, why didn't they move? Start again. 
Nobody will know that you married. You can just say your your husband died in a car accident, and you can just start again. They kind of they kind of made Willa Witta Harper like she didn't. She, she didn't had no have the agency. Wear- she, well, she didn't have the wherewithal to be able to move. Her, her only, all she had were her two children and her community, you know, her yeah, job. She didn't even, it wasn't like, oh, I'm working with my, my aunt or I have family. She didn't have any, it didn't seem no. as though she had any roots to that community whatsoever. She didn't. So I would think till she grew roots in the river. Exactly. But you know, I don't know what it's like to have children, but I, I like to pride myself on a little thing called empathy and a little thing that I learned from to kill a mockingbird about putting oneself in someone else's shoes. And I think if I was the mother of two small children in the 1930s and my husband got hanged, I would say, man, it's probably going to be really tough for those kids to grow up in this small community knowing that their father was hanged. Why don't I just go like 20 miles away in the next town and start anew? I could move to Cincinnati. Yeah. I hear they have really good beer. It, Get moody with Hootie. <laughs> the Queen City? That sounds popping. Yeah. I, There's always Louisville on the other side. There's okay. so many places. They could go to Indiana. I... You know, if yeah, they it was all right there, they're like, oh, birthplace of the clan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel We're so white. safe. It, it works. Yeah. Is that the end of your negatives? Yes. Okay. My positives. Mm-hmm. When they're in the cellar and the shelf falls on Robert Mitchum, <laughs> the sound he makes is the funniest. <laughs> it was so funny. And then followed by him looking like Frankenstein trying to catch him going up the steps. Oh, that was great. And then when I was doing like Tasty Nuggets, they were saying, you know, there was a lot of humor in it. Um, They felt like this was Robert Mitchum's best movie because he did bring those those funny elements into it. And they said that he he was the this character was the most it uh, unlike the Robert Mitchum's. Yeah, Robert Mitchum's persona, you know how like he, right. how like when you, you watch Brad Pitt, and there's all like Brad Pitt's a movie star and stuff, but he's a, he, it's his persona. Like same thing with George Clooney, like they're not they're not pulling Daniel Day Lewis's and stuff and becoming they completely disappearing and being unrecognizable. They have this right. natural charisma and stuff. So this performance, this role for Mitchum, it was the least like how he was as a person yeah because it showed some humor and i i don't think he usually did that because he was frequently intoxicated well yeah i mean he so he thought he had humor okay um okay my biggest reheat positive is the camera work the that underwater shot and the iris shot yeah. I, I heard that that was the first Irish shot that was ever done. I don't think so. Because they okay. did Irish shots in silent movies. But maybe it's the first non-silent movie Irish shot. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it right now. <laughs> We're going to have to have an intervention at Christmas. If we're and just that- gonna, You're going to have to pick silent movies to do. <laughs> to- 
listeners, I'm sorry that you have to listen to this. And the shadows and all that. Now, there was one point where John looks up and sees Robert Mitchum following them. And he goes, don't he never sleep? <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. Yeah. And then they're talking about the different cities along the Ohio River. Uh, Cincinnati is one of the Sodoms of the Ohio River. <laughs> Which, come on. Oh, so it's because it's the big city? Louisville and Cincinnati were the Sodoms of because it was big city. Yeah, they were the big city. Yeah, I was born in Cincinnati. Probably, I'm just gonna. You take were a born wild, and raised in Cincinnati. I'm gonna take a wild guess that I was probably born in the same hospital where Steven Spielberg was born, and possibly Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm just going there. Wow, I was the, born in the same hospital as Rob Thomas. From Matchbox 20. He was born in Launchstool. Yeah. A lot of famous people were born in Launchstool. Yeah. It happened to be the hop in place. It was. All of us stood in line with our urine cups. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Schnell. Yeah. Why is this baby not out of you? <laughs> it, was, it was a cattle call. Efficiency. Okay. You're positive reheatables. Okay. So we already said that, but also there was a lot of aerial photography in this, which I think that we have become very spoiled because of the uh, prevalence of drone photography in movies. Drones are so cheap now that it's everything has an overhead drone shot. But before drones made it so easy to make those shots that we take for granted now, people had to get up in helicopters or in airplanes and stuff and so I was I was struck by that and you can tell how because you know it was shaky and you're just like ah oh, man but it was 1955 so my reheatable actually this whole movie is a great reheatable and tasty nuggets we'll get to it it wasn't we'll just get to it now when it came out it was a critical and commercial failure People yes. didn't know what to make of it. But yes. now it it is retroactively been on like the National Registry of yeah. Great Films. Charles Loudon didn't make another film because nobody understood this. But he was doing a lot of things that filmmakers now look at and are like, oh, my gosh, brilliant. The German expressionist Correct. filmmaking. He, he did a lot of camera movement. He was moving in on stuff doing a lot of different shots there was a there's a lot of there was humor in it the the last part of it i guess the last third when they go to lillian gish when i watched it i was just kind of like well man what is this though so it lost me and then when i read roger ebert and other critics reviews of it i was like oh because she's like the antithesis of what he is as the right. pre he's the preacher. And so he's supposed to be, you know, powerful and respected, but he's a murderer. And when the kids go to her, you think, Oh, like this is an old woman. There's no way that he's, that she's going to be able to protect these kids mm -hmm. from this bad, bad man. And then the way that the movie unfolds, you're like, okay, but I, I, I feel like it did lose some steam. 
but overall it had to have it had to have a positive ending i mean you couldn't end it with him get them you couldn't have yeah but then also like the whole thing of the doll and the money it it harkened back to when john because he's he's so stoic and he's so good and you're just like man because remember how he's just being little man weight of the world on his shoulders and he accidentally tells him where the that he knows where the money's hidden yeah doesn't tell him where it's hidden then when the audience finds out where the money's hidden then there's a whole kind of you know the climax and whatever and he was so close to just having it all and we also don't know what happens with the money because john kind of freaks out and lets everyone see because he has this flashback which you're kind of like yeah traumatized kid and stuff yeah but i i didn't buy that part because it didn't he was so like oh this is the moment that he breaks yeah like uh i i don't know here's this bad dude who wants to kill who has killed your mother wants to kill you and your sister and you're going no don't handcuff him because he had a flashback to when his father was peacefully taken arrested (laughs) right oh they they didn't even like okay so there are flaws okay um but specifically the lighting there's a great scene where they're talking about like a bad man and the two kids are up in their room and then the Robert, the, the silhouette shadow of Robert Mitchum comes over the whole wall. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, snap, man. Mm-hmm. This movie, man, people just didn't, they are sleeping on this movie. Um, the, And same thing with the underwater shot. I'm just like, yeah, this is haunting. Because I really thought that was her down there. She was down breath. there for some of it. Oh, I, I some of it was I, a I, dummy and some of it was her. Oh, okay. You know, they have to tie her in and then they get the, your, your life is in the hands of the scuba guy coming over and giving you air mm-hmm. until they get the shot. And I don't think that Robert, it's a tasty nugget that Robert Mitchum thought too highly of Shelley Winters because he made some sort of comment about how he wished that it wasn't a dummy down there. Yeah, he made a couple of comments. So I was like, oh man, Mitchum. Yeah. Coming in hot. So... Also, it's a good reheatable. It's it's a Dateline episode, man. This, it is. This, you know, it people is. love this. Stuff. Which is why we why we analyze it so much because we've watched so much true crime mm-hmm. that that we're going, yeah, well, yeah. Why didn't you? Why didn't you check yeah, for fingerprints? Like Uncle Birdie. No one. The the saying isn't. It's always the uncle. It's always the spouse, Uncle Birdie. So. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna think know, that your drunk ass is the one that killed her, unless he had a past where. Uh, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. we are to MVPs. Mm. Keeping this on track. Okay. My first MVP was John, the kid who played John. He was a co MVP of mine. Okay, because he did a really good job, it's but then great. he said something off camera that was so then i changed it to my mvp was stanley cortez yeah stanley cortez hats off cinematographer hats off now um what how many episodes have we done this is 92 okay 92 so it's taken me 92 to move from what I visually see as a moviegoer to um, to the behind the scenes, 
to go, wow, Stanley Cortez did a great job. <laughs> it's only taken me 92 episodes, so I'm very proud of myself. Well, that's good, Ma. I mean, that's... I'm learning. You're yeah. teaching me. I don't even think that's... You would have had an associate degree. It, it hasn't even been bachelor time yet. So congratulations. True that. Thank you very much. And your MVP? All right. So my runner's up, Robert Mitchum's bizarre choices of sounds. He does. He does a couple times where he yeah, makes these like, really weird sounds huh, as he's in distress. That's a choice. Yes. The second was, okay, I don't know if the listeners know this, but I am, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. Because I'm not bragging what? about it. But I do enjoy a well-placed sigh. Also, I enjoy a not well-placed sigh. I'm a, like, I'm a big fan of sighs. I sigh a lot. you didn't grow up with them, did you? <laughs> sighs, a lot can be said in a sigh. There are many different sighs. There are and it's indeed. great because there's the whole adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, but you can sigh it. You because can say it in it a wants, sigh. It wants to come out so badly, so, but yeah. you got to hold it in. But you can't, so you just sigh. And yeah. Little Man John gives one of the all-time great sighs in this film. It's when I believe they're being called up um, they're hiding in the basement, I think, and Icy comes over. And they have to over. come upstairs because, is it Icy Scoops yeah, who calls them up? Yeah, Icy called, because she brought <laughs> them over, all the, the chicken. And, now, and, wait a minute. Time out. Icy Scoops, what a perfect stripper name. Yeah, but she, not when you have her face in. <laughs> but icy scoops that's hysterical yeah i mean if you're if you're like oh j-lo's character in the hustler is named icy scoops yes how can you not think of her boobs being scoops of ice cream did well, you hers see are her face yeah it. i know but okay moving on <laughs> there's her name was icy scoops because there's nothing sexual about that woman no no they're Whatsoever. hanging down to her waist she like yeah. she tucks them in yeah Okay, he okay. gives one of the greatest sighs of all time. Just everything he's been through. And he has this plan, and he has to go. And he's just like, oh, it's a great sigh. I I paused it, rewound it, and I was like, oh, man, that's a great sigh, John. All right. And then so we had, so then the tie was between, we had John Littleman, just overall. And yes. then the scene, this is why I knew that Peter Graves was in the movie, because... It was one of those scenes where it made me stop. I was like, is this, oh my God, that's bad. And then I went back and rewatched it. I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. And then rewatched it again. I was like, wow, I, I just, I love this. I love this one scene. Peter Graves just delivering this whole scene. I wrote it down. Flip the pages. Because... It's just great. So he, so he's the dad. I already set the the scene. He comes in his, you know, it, it's a Model T looking light car, even though it's the 30s. So he's driving that slow ass thing like a bat out of hell. <laughs> all up on the lawn. 
comes out. He's Peter Graves, so his hair is perfectly quaffed, not it disheveled. He isn't looking dirty at all. He is not, when you picture, like, oh, my father was a criminal, you're not picturing Peter Graves. I was like, yes, that man has the face of a criminal. He comes out and he's like, <laughs> so this is all one shot on his face. He's like, listen to me, John, this money here, we got to hide it before they get to me. There's close to $10,000. Where? Under a rock in the smokehouse. No. In the bricks in the Great Harbor. No, they dig for it. Sure. That's the place. It's all one scene. Does not cut to John. It's all him thinking about where he's got to hide this money. His delivery of no, they dig for it. Hilarious. It's it's a class. It's like a Saturday Night Live scene. Under the rocks and trade. No, they dig for it. Where will I hide it? There. That's the place. And then he leaves, comes back, and gets arrested. And you're like, where did he hide it? Yeah, the, you don't know. The doll? And that's yeah. why it, and it's still the greatest, the greatest reheatable about this movie is that you don't know, and we will never know if hiding the money in the doll was genius or if it was the the dumbest thing ever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I thought it was pretty genius. I thought that it was pretty genius, but then I'm like, it's totally dumb. It's Pearl's doll. She's an idiot. Yeah, that's like, true. Would you ever hide well, money into Poogie Man's favorite stuffed animal? What? Oh, it's made ouch. of cloth. What happens when it gets torn? Like, there's such a thing as paper cuts. Money is sharp. It's going to wear on the, on the outside. It's going to tear. Who's going to mend the doll? I, I, uh, I just, he had very little time. Yeah, very. And then, yeah. And then that's, and then it swings over to it was genius. Yes. But then it will, then you think about it more and you swing back and be like, that was an idiot. It's, it's the taste great, less filling of movies. <laughs> okay. Recasting. All right. I only did, I only did Harry, John and Pearl. That's what I did. Okay. So my Pearl Oh, sorry. I did Harry, Willa, and John. Okay, I didn't do Willa because, come on. Actually, I, you know, scrap that. I'll explain it when I do it. I didn't. Okay, my pearl is Mikkel Michelle Harris. She is the youngest of the mixished children. I've never seen that show. Oh, she is. She, she. Does not have the formidable forehead. Mm. She is, she's adorable. So my John, it's hard because we don't have many young black children to look at to be able to choose. Well, I would say just any of the children in, they will know. What was the Ava DuVernay Central Clark 5? Central Park Oh, that's five. true. I felt like they were too old. So uh, I was going for a little bit younger, but maybe I didn't do that. I was thinking between blackish and mixedish. 
and This Is Us. So I went to the young Randall of This Is Us. His name is Lonnie Chavis. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I've seen He him has before. a little bit of a gap between his teeth. Yeah, and he's like in this like PSA, public service announcement of like somebody said something nice to him one time and he was like, that made me feel good because of you saying oh, something nice to me. Okay, so my Harry, at first I had Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Come on. But he'd have to put all those braids up and everything. But all so you would then, have to do to get to like out with Snoop Dogg would just get him high. Like here's Snoop Dogg. Look what I just grew. So I went with a real actor, Michael K. Williams. Oh, he would AKA be good. Omar Omar's in the coming. Wire. Omar's yeah. coming. That's Couldn't a he, good I mean, one. he could be that preacher who totally, totally makes you believe that he's. You're like, preacher. how did you get that scar on your face? And he's like, I fought with the devil. But the exactly. devil did Exactly. You're like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Omar's yeah. loving. So that's my cast. That's good. Is that it? You only had the one? I only had the one. All right. I have two casts. So my one, my one cast is uh, Lillian Gish's character. Oh. I got Cicely Tyson. Well, yeah, because, hello. Yeah, I mean, just. Because I was thinking, like, a first lady of a film. Oh, it has to be a first lady yeah. of film. It was Lillian Gish. So, so yeah, Cicely, Cicely Tyson. Tyson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because you wouldn't think that, they like, oh, how's she going to protect them? And it's like, no, yeah, she's going to she pop would a totally cap come in somebody's ass. Yeah. yeah. So then my Willa, I was like, oh, Ruth Negga. You know, just you can't go wrong. There with you her. go, because because she's just looking for the good in people, which, and she can play that part, but she can also be really hard too. Okay, well, I mean, my Harry Powell. Okay, my Harry Powell, Denzel Washington. Yeah, because he can be. Yeah, he can't. It's yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. You, he gets to be charming Denzel Washington, and then he also gets to be Training Day Denzel Washington. That's true. It would be fantastic as Harry Powell. Chilling. Yeah, he would be. So then I did another cast because my whole point of it was that the little kid reminded me so much of little kid Ryan Gosling that I was just like, well. Why, why don't we just set it? Why don't we do one of the fantasy things? A fantasy. There we cast. go. So fantasy like, cast. Little boy Ryan Gosling. There you go. Yeah. And then, um, for my Willa, I gender swapped it mm-hmm. and said it was Jack McBriar from Remember Thirty Rock. Yes. Kenneth the Page. Because you would need some, you would need somebody to a spouse yeah. that like it's like oh he you know he's Appalachian yeah. and that he would want to be doing the good thing. Yeah. Because my heavy yeah. is a woman. Good. And you would have to it would have to be something like a guy that was believable that would get hoodwinked into this. Oh yeah, he totally would. And you know, I'm just. It's it's a fantasy, so it was, it's what I would want to see. And you could do right. anything, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, though, Harry Powell is a psychotic. Yes. So 
Women kill, but women kill differently, right? It's usually like poisoning. So if you're thinking of, though, this is a woman who goes from place to place murdering people, it, it, it's a, it's a very different role and you have to have a different sort of persona. Like, I'm not buying Julia Roberts as Harry Powell, as this woman who goes from town to town. Because she could, but it would be more of like poisoning people. But I want to keep the violence of Harry Powell. Yes. Intact for Harriet Powell. Okay. Who was like a preacher and stuff. And so there's a lot of different options, different places you could go. Come on. I hear you. It's not making me move any faster, though. <laughs> Jessica Lang. How can you not? How can you not? I yeah. mean, that would I think that would be fantastic. And since I said it in a fantasy, it could be the Jessica Lang from Cape Fear. Like mm-hmm. Cape Fear 1991 mm-hmm. Jessica Lang. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like the older Jessica Lang, although it certainly could be it, it could, could be because she's still rocking it still rocking it but it could still be that jessica lane who wasn't that yeah you want a little bit of that oh my god i would do that yeah so mm-hmm. yeah and she wouldn't be getting this kind of role in 1991 it's it that's what i think of with the fantasy ones of like they wouldn't be get this kind of role what would they do in it it's like 1991 Jessica Lang. What would you do with the part of Harry Powell? That was my mind exploding because I like have been into the Hamilton cast and the and the switching gender cast, but now we can add fantasy cast. Yeah, I'm into I've been into fantasy cast. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where you you open up the door because you're you're thinking, oh man, of all and the screen people, take pick them out, ever, plug them ever. in. Because mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, it's gone with the bushes. We can do whatever we want. We make the rules. <sighs> okay, tasty nuggets. Oh, I only have a few. So Gary Cooper turned it down. Yes. Larry Olivier and John Carradine expressed interest. Larry Olivier, yeah. as in Sir Lawrence. I call, I call him Larry. I know, because, you know, you're on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Robert Mitchum met with Charles, Charles described the character as a diabolical little shit, and Robert Mitchum replied, present. And so... <laughs> Charles was like, you get the sense of humor that I'm going for. So exactly. Yeah. And he you did. Mm-hmm. Um, Shelly Winters said that this was the most thoughtful, reserved performance I ever gave. Reserved because she usually wasn't. She talk about shrill. She was she pretty could be shrill. reserved in I remember a place in the sun because that was also that was one of the things where I was like, oh, that's Shelley Winters. Huh. Um, Charles Lawton's wife, remember from witness for the prosecution, how she was the like the housekeeper or the maid. She had all the banter with him. That was great. Mm-hmm. And then we found out like, oh, yeah, they're married. 
Yeah. He she turned down the role of Rachel Cooper. And Charles had no idea why. It was like, why are you turning down this role? She said, I'm not going to tell you why I'm turning it down, but I think you should get Lillian Gish. And he uh-huh. was like, what? And so then he went to Lillian Gish. And Lillian Gish said, why do you want me for this role? And Charles Lawton said, I remember when I was a little kid mm-hmm. and I would watch the movies and everybody watching the movies would be sitting up in their chair leaning forward and now today you go to the movie theater and everybody's leaned back in their chair and they're eating popcorn and candy it's like i want them to sit up in their chair again yeah so lillian gish was like i'll do the part yeah she did it well she did it very well Mm -hmm. and we already said how it was a critical and commercial failure but People now are going back to it like this movie. Mm-hmm. What? It's recently won some awards, but it didn't win any. It wasn't even nominated back in the day. Yeah, what were the nominees from this year? The nominees for Best Picture were The Kane Mutiny by Stanley Kramer, Seven mm. Brides for Seven Brothers by Jack Cummings, the Country Girl by William Pearlberg. Oh, because Grace Kelly won the Oscar mm-hmm. for that. On the Waterfront, Sam Spiegel. Oh. And Three Coins in the Fountain by Saul C. Siegel. On the Waterfront won Best Picture, Art Direction, Cinematography, Best Actor. So On the Waterfront took it. This wasn't even up for cinematography. Oh, no. This was just... This is just one of those forgotten gems that somebody says, like, wait, this movie's, like, really good. And this movie, On the Waterfront's really good, so I'm not mad at that. But I bet that this movie holds up better than almost all the rest of those movies. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? I mean, I've seen it. It's a musical. Yeah, okay. Uh, Three Queens in the Fountain was a lovely little... You got to see Rome, but um, yeah. Okay, so mine were Charles Lawton got along with the John character really well, but he didn't get along with little five-head Pearl very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. you did the false perspective. The cinematographer, my MVP, Stanley Cortez, said he worked with two directors who truly understood light. Orson, Orson Welles and Charles Lawton. Um, Robert Mitchum's, this was Robert Mitchum's favorite film and the favorite director he worked with. Well, yeah, because Charles Lawton was an actor, so he was very collaborative with his, like, oh, how do you feel about this? And what, what yeah, are your thoughts yeah. on, you know? Instead of being like, do it like this. I said so. So the $10,000 back in 1930s would be uh, like $175,000 in 2014. So you had $175,000 in Jokio. In a rag doll. In a rag doll. I said Jokio, my bear. Would you have hidden $100,000? I don't know. I might be genius. Were you ever letting Jokio fall in the river? 
No, but Were you I mean, Jokio anywhere without Jokio. No, but that's not the the point. The point though is the wear and tear on Jokio. You know, it's the it's the oh, my it's favorite true. pants I, I didn't all even of a sudden have to back up. Okay, okay. Yeah, and how would you? Back your and parents forth are, again. I say. Yeah, your parent. Who's gonna fix it? Your parents are are dead. Who are you gonna take the doll that contains a hundred? thousand dollars to fix it up time was limited though okay so and we never even know what happened to the money like did they get confiscated when little john confiscated when he said here's the money oh then it would go back to the bank because it was in front of law enforcement people who probably divided it up and went home it's a good thing that he was with lillian gish's super forgiving character Robert Mitchum and Shelley Winters were on the Ed Sullivan show in 1955 to promote this movie. They were doing a scene from the movie. Oh, no. Robert Mitchum, well, they were both really nervous about it. So Robert Mitchum got drunk. Shelley Winters said she was nervous. You know, she was high on something. It was so bad. Did you watch it? That, um... His lines were delivered so softly that they had to turn, yank up the volume where they could actually hear their stomachs growling. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, just like, uh, okay, Bradley Cooper pissing himself on, in Lady, <laughs> you know, during the the awards scene. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was, was every the star is born worst thing that is ever happened. Is it on YouTube? I don't know, but it said that it it was just so bad. Yeah, because they were both inebriated from some kind of substance, and yeah, yeah. Is that it? Um, I yeah. With my yes. what did John yeah. say that that you were like oh, and then he later said something. John, what did you have that he was a a little boy? And you, he was your MVP, but then he oh, said because, something. Oh, um, because, like, off the set, he said something, somebody said something to him, and he was like, yeah, were you, like, nominated for, it wasn't Golden Globe, but it was like, he was nominated for something for this role, and, and the, he was like, yeah, we're like, you nominated for Golden Globe? I don't think so, so shut your pie hole. So that's when I was like, eh, yeah, he was a little too full of himself. Well, I read that his sister wrote an autobiography because remember she was in Father Knows Best and that the sister's like, yeah, there was a lot of child abuse in the house <gasps> and not like, I don't know if in the house, but like, you know, all the just the bad things that you think about when you you see child actors and just saw Judy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, uh, probably, you know, uncomfortable. Just like I, I, I heard that when they wanted uh, kid actors to cry, they would say, Oh, by the way, this morning your dog got hit by a car. It died. Yeah. Stuff That's- like that, that, that just is psychological abuse. I don't understand how 
even today with kid actors, how, because they're kids that you're explaining to them, because even adult actors, the body doesn't know that it's fake. You know what I mean? Like they're, that's why it's like, oh, they always fall in love with their co-stars and stuff. It's, it's like, yeah, we're acting like it's pretend, but it's not pretend. It's really real because you're trying to give to, they're like, make it real. And it's real. And your body doesn't know that it's not real. And you're an adult. So how does a kid even stand a chance? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But thank you, thank you for your service, John. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Because you, you have to be able to sell yourself, but then you have to be able to, to be Barry Sanders and go, yeah, you know, it's, it's everybody on the field is helping me out instead of, yeah, I'm the best that ever was, people. And Yeah, but you, also you're a kid. Yes. Like you have it. You're just a little kid. So you're a little kid and you're asked to protect. Like, look, you're a kid. You just saw your dad. He came with this money, told you to hide it because there's going to be people after you. We have this psychopath who's after you, who wants to kill you. Your mother's been killed. Now you've taken your sister on a river because this man, this preacher is after you. You've got no adult help. Act. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So I I didn't even I hadn't even heard of this film. I was glad I saw it. I was glad I saw the humor in it and the and the cinematography of it. It was it was a fun it's, 90, it's hard. 94 minutes. Yeah, was it 90? it's very brisk and people they it gets cat that was one of the I think the reasons that critics and audiences alike um didn't appreciate it because it doesn't fit into a box. It's yeah, yeah. it's kind of a film noir. It's kind of a horror film cuz there's definitely that element to it. It's kind of a drama. It's kind of a comedy. It's just got a whole bunch of different things going on. And a lot of people didn't want to be uh, the Robert Mitchum's character because they thought that it would taint their future career. Oh, and it got banned in some places. Wow. Like in Europe because, you know, in Europe, no men of the cloth are men of the cloth. And he got banned in Memphis, too. No, no, a preacher would never. Yeah, exactly. You would never use use religion to get your point of view across. Okay, people. Next week? Next week? Next week we're going to have a guest commentator. What? We have a, a very good fan of our show whose favorite sh- movie ever is Rocky. And we're going to have to like cut her off because she could talk about Rocky for hours. So we're, we're going to have a guest speaker talk about Rocky with us. What year was Rocky? 
1976, 120 minutes, two hours. Two hours. Of a boxing drama set in Philadelphia. Mm. Well, all righty then. You better stay tuned. You too could be a guest commentator on Gone with the Bushes. Well, there you go. There you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.